Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This episode of Into the Night is brought to you by our loyal listeners and followers. Fazbear Entertainment appreciates your viewership and those who support the show by commenting, sharing, and subscribing. If you wish to support this broadcast, please consider checking out the official merch store and Patreon for more information. This episode is a continuation of our Security Breach audiobook series. If you haven't watched from the beginning, we recommend starting at episode 26, Security Breach, and listening to all episodes to this point to know the full context of the storyline so far. Where did he go? <sighs> I'm sorry. I think we lost him. I don't know how to fix it. What am I going to do? If Freddy was working, we would have him by now. Okay, I didn't mean to. He walks through every security door as if he owns the place. No, I can find him. It won't be like the last one. This is episode 30, Prize Cornered. Gregory and Freddy took refuge in the recharge station, waiting patiently to ensure that the elusive rabbit lady wouldn't return. Once they were reasonably certain of her absence, Freddy unlatched the recharge station and ventured back into the daycare hallway. With a uncertain stride, he led the way, heading back towards the Pizzaplex lobby. Good news! The front doors will open in five hours. Good news? Five hours? I'm not gonna last five minutes! Do not panic. If we get separated again, you can always call me on your fast watch. As long as I have power. And I am able to reach you. Gregory possessed a fair amount of knowledge about programming, considering it a personal hobby. He understood that Freddy's capacity to instantaneously program this feature into his watch in a matter of minutes was utterly unfathomable for a human to replicate. Only a robot could possibly achieve such a feat. However, the ability for Gregory to now contact Freddy and relay his position remotely wasn't a mere software update you receive on your phone where you can't even tell the difference after your phone became a brick for five minutes. It required precise lines of code, exact sequences of steps, and actions to initiate, all meticulously linked between two distinct software systems. 
and Freddy had accomplished this in mere minutes. Given Freddy's dopiness and obliviousness he occasionally displayed, him being super knowledgeable in something as complex as coding was a little jarring to Gregory. We should get moving. You can access the main atrium with your new security badge. With careful precision, Freddy gently pushed open the double doors leading to the expansive Pizzaplex lobby and peered out. Fortunately, all the Glamrock animatronics except for himself were still occupied with their search for Gregory in the daycare area, along with the enigmatic rabbit lady. The only mechanized presence on patrol consisted of the staff boss methodically running their patrol cycles. Their search patterns seemingly remained unchanged since Gregory's last visit. Moving as nonchalantly as a hulking animatronic could manage, Freddy set a course for the elevators. The staff bots paid him little attention, at most offering a brief, curious gaze before resuming their mindless monitoring of their surroundings. I am looking for intruders. Upon reaching the elevator, he pressed the call button, and, fortunately, an elevator car awaited them on this floor. Stepping inside, he selected the main atrium button, and as the door slid gently shut, a whimsical elevator tune began to emanate from the ceiling speakers. The walls inside were adorned with posters showcasing the various attractions, familiar ones to Gregory like Phaser Blast and Monty Golf, alongside features he knew very little about, like Mazerside, an exercise zone whose mascot was Chica, and Kids Cove, a children's play area that seemed to feature Foxy. Gregory, I have identified two possible exit points. The main loading dock is located under the food court on the first floor. There is also a fire escape in the third floor prize counter. Check your fast watch. I will mark both locations on your fast map. It appears that you have no fast map. You should be able to obtain one from the greeter on the center balcony. Gregory shifted inside Freddy's chest, settling in a cross-legged position. The prospect of an earlier escape should have filled him with excitement, marking the best news of the day. Er, night. However, his mind was preoccupied with other matters. Many of them. Numerous questions still lingered in the air. The mysteries surrounding his situation kept gnawing at his thoughts. Foremost among his ponderings was Freddy himself. Certainly, there was his astonishing display of technological prowess moments ago, raising doubts about the extent of his access within the Pizzaplex systems. Initially, Gregory assumed that Freddy's capabilities would be confined to basic functions, akin to when they traversed the underground utility tunnels, or when Freddy first scanned Gregory in an attempt to locate his profile in the customer database. Basic access that allowed Freddy to traverse through certain security barriers unimpeded, or recall information from the Pizzaplex network. But Freddy proved to be more than a mere clever computer or an animatronic entertainer. Yet there was still the fundamental question. Why? Why was Freddy safeguarding him? It was a thought that hadn't crossed his mind until back in the daycare. Granted, he had first-hand experience with the Pizzaplex robot's hospitality. They embodied what Fazbear Entertainment had strived for in the late 1980s with their toy animatronic line. Advanced robots with nearly human-like personalities, capable of engaging with both children and adults in near indiscernible manners of another being of flesh and blood. Yet they possessed the dual qualities of protectiveness and discernment, able to identify threats or disturbances and respond accordingly, 
either by notifying security or addressing the situation directly if they deemed it necessary. I do not know. I want to help you. Maybe they want to help you too. Could it really be as simple as the fact that Freddy had interacted with him before Vanessa sicked the other animatronics on him, turning them into her personal canine unit? Could it all boil down to the fact that Gregory was able to explain the danger she posed before she could get to Freddy, thus why he offered to help? Gregory doubted it. The daycare attendant seemed to not be under any form of sway besides his dual personalities, a madness that seemed to be a product of his own environment. But Gregory had witnessed how Glamour Chica behaved in the lobby. Her zombie-like gait, the lifeless look in her eyes, and the unsettling words she spoke didn't resemble the personable animatronics that Fazbear Entertainment had painstakingly designed. Instead, she sounded like a sinister figure, trying to lure a lost child with promises of candy and sweets. Then there was the fact that once Gregory had taken refuge inside Freddy's chest, None of the Glamrock animatronics had questioned why Freddy was leaving them behind back in the Superstar daycare. How could they not even consider the possibility that Gregory might be traveling with him? It was almost as if they were completely unaware of him or of Freddy, blinded by some innate programmed loyalty to one another. Could they even comprehend the concept of one of their own betraying the band? It was possible, but doubt still lingered in his mind. Something about Freddy set him apart from the rest. He just couldn't figure out what. But there were other mysteries at play, Gregory pondered as he absentmindedly scratched his messy brown hair. Vanessa's attempt to capture him for unknown purposes were terrifying enough, but now there was a third individual on the loose. The White Rabbit Lady. Someone with the power to camouflage herself from the other animatronics, and whose intentions were a completely unknown. However, if the past was any indication, someone dressing up as a rabbit in a Freddy's location always spelled disaster for lost children. And then there was the ultimate mystery that had plagued him since his awakening in the Pizzaplex. Why was he here? Did you know that everyone loves pizza? Yes, it's true. Based on a double-blind study from a leading Fazbear publication and scientists, 100% of those questioned would choose pizza over any other food group, even people with wheat and dairy allergies. This has been another fun Faz fact. One thing that left no room for interpretation was how remarkably awful Fazbear treatment was at concealing their true nature. Seriously, it's like they aren't even actively trying to hide the fact they're choking every last dollar from their patrons' wallets. The only enigma surrounding them was whether overwhelming greed outweighed the sheer magnitude of their egos. The elevator cart suddenly jolted, coming to an abrupt stop. As the door swung open, Freddy stepped out into the Pizzaplex lobby. Fazbear Entertainment welcomes you to the greatest pizzeria in the world, Freddy Fazbear's Mega Pizzaplex. <laughs> Gregory's eyes widened in amazement as he halted Freddy and hopped out of his chest cavity to take in the breathtaking sight before him. It was beyond belief how incredible everything looked. The atrium served as the primary access point to almost every major attraction within the Pizzaplex. This three-story auditorium was adorned with multiple screens continuously playing Fazbear adverts 
concession stands lining every wall. The ceiling, with its captivating ambiance, added to the spectacle. The heart of this grand chamber dipped down to the ground floor, where long silver tables and chairs awaited guests, offering them a place to relax or enjoy pizza and other high-calorie snacks. Surrounding this central area were lengthening barriers adorning plastic palm trees, providing shade from the artificial glow of the enormous four-sided overhead screens, reminiscent of sports stadium monitors. At the back of the atrium stood the main show stage, where the glam rock band would entertain the throngs of visitors. Cone-shaped spotlights still illuminated the semi-circular stage below with the shapes of the glam rock band's heads. Even from this distance, Gregory could discern the mechanisms that could lift sections of the stage into the air, allowing the animatronics to dazzle guests with dynamic performances on suspended platforms. The large neon Pizzaplex logo, featuring cartoon versions of the glam rock band, radiated brilliantly just above the stage. The actual first floor encircled the ground floor, accessible via small steps leading to both levels. To Gregory's left, the closest attraction was Phaserblast, marked by a large statue of a green alien planet with twin rings orbiting it. A rocket shot across the attraction's name, its plastic exhaust smoke cleverly designed to create the illusion of motion while suspending it in the air. Beside Phaserblast was Roxy Raceway, a vastly different attraction with themes featuring desert aesthetics, complete with cactus statues and painted backdrops of towering mesas. At the entrance, a large-sized go-kart raced towards a checkered flag, hinting at the thrilling experiences awaiting guests within. On the opposite side of the atrium, two more attractions awaited, Kids Cove and Monte Gator Gulf. Kids Cove, contrary to its name association with Foxy, appeared to have a theme resembling the Superstar Daycare, even featuring a logo with a sun and crescent moon. In contrast, Monty's Gator Golf exuded a swampy ambiance, with crossed putters above the logo reminiscent of a skull and crossbones. The surrounding of this attraction were noticeably dimmer compared to the others, as the boggy atmosphere within had started to seep into the main building. Gregory walked further out to stare up into the ceiling of the atrium. The walls of the dormitory were dark purple with blue accents. The second floor, for the most part, was another circular walkway that led to the attraction advertised on the first floor. Although there appeared to be some construction to Roxy Raceway, which apparently would be a shortcut to the Glamrock Beauty Salon, which was also located in that particular corner of the building, the only other attraction on the second floor was the bakery hallway called the Cupcake Shop. But that location isn't important, so we look somewhere else. The third and final floor not only formed another ring around the building, providing a vantage point to admire the ornate structures below, but also offered entrances to several other venues on the Pizzaplex's upper level. These included Mazerside, Fazcade, The Prize Corner, Superstarcade, L Chips, and Bonnie's Bowl. Curious, Freddy had mentioned that there were no rabbits in the Mega Pizzaplex, or at least, not more. Hello. Gregory felt his heart literally jump out of his chest as a staff bot, adorned with an explorer's hat and oversized glasses, seized his arm with a comfortably firm grip. Please take this map. The nerdy robot thrusted a pamphlet at him, relentlessly insisting that he take, take it. It seemed that this was the overzealous greeter Freddy had mentioned in the elevator. Gregory wished Freddy had given him a heads up about how annoyingly hands-on this robot could be, 
Though the staff bots may be simple-minded, their mechanical strength was undeniable. This thing had an iron grip. For the love of Fezgrad, kid, take a map. In order to coax the robot into releasing its hold, Gregory reluctantly accepted the map, prompting the staff bot to finally relinquish its grasp on him. Thank you. Please enjoy. With the staff bot finally relenting, it retreated to a nearby information kiosk, positioned conveniently next to the staircase leading to the second floor. Gregory quickly scanned the area, relieved to see that, apart from a few more staff security bots patrolling the ground floor, there were no sign of either the Glamrock animatronics or Vanessa. However, he knew they wouldn't linger in the Superstar daycare indefinitely. They eventually realized he had escaped. To save time, Gregory and Freddy decided to divide their efforts in the search for an escape route within the Pizzaplex. Freddy would explore the ground floor, seeking a pathway to the basement. Meanwhile, Gregory would ascend to the third floor to investigate any potential routes to the VIP rooms. Navigating his way was relatively straightforward, thanks to the map provided by the map bot. Albeit it was horribly outdated in certain sections, the map featured old promotional artwork of the Faz Coaster, which used to encircle the entire Pizzaplex. The Faz Tower, a ball pit and plastic tunnel tower that finally addressed the hygiene issues of a ball pit, and an unfamiliar venue known as Ballora's Fitness and Flex. Interestingly, Lauren had been a part of the Pizzaplex's original lineup, which suggested that this attraction might have been conceptualized during the initial construction phase and scrapped then. The very concept of the fun times always struck Gregory as peculiar. Advanced robots programmed for kidnapping and killing children? Locked away in some forgotten laboratory because they were never shut down? I mean, the concept of highly advanced robots programmed to abduct and harm children under the Shroud of Darkness? Who in their right mind improved such a storyline for Fazbear Entertainment? Well, given his circumstances, perhaps there was more truth to those stories than initially met the eye. Upon reaching the third floor promenade, Gregory followed the map's guidance to the Superstar Arcade. If the map had retained any semblance of accuracy, the Superstar Cage should lead up to the fourth floor, where the VIP rooms were situated. However, an immediate obstacle presented itself. The Superstar Cage security shutters were firmly closed, the same type he had encountered in the lobby. The only way to open them would be from the inside. Frowning at this dilemma, Gregory returned to his map, searching for alternative routes. He soon deduced that he would need to embark on a longer journey, winding through the L-Chip food court, to eventually loop back to the Superstar Cade and reach the path to the VIP rooms. With a keen sense of evasion, he navigated through the middle of the promenade, seamlessly dodging the staff bots as he weaved between kiosk and stalls. Eventually arriving in front of L-Chips, the shutter door bore a pattern reminiscent of other Mexican eateries Gregory had been to. It reacted to his presence and began to jerk open, but only enough to allow someone of Gregory's size to slip through the gap. Good news. It looks like the door to El Chips is open. Gregory walked towards the glass railings and looked down, where he saw Freddy on the bottom floor, waving back up to him. A happy smile plastered across his face. I must warn you, when you enter an area where you do not have a locator map signal, I will be unable to reach your location. You can update your minimap at a security office. Be safe. 
Gregory returned a smile. Despite his lingering suspicions and unanswered questions about Freddy, he found a measure of comfort in the animatronic's presence. Whether or not he was a mere collection of binary code or something more, Freddy exhibited genuine kindness and a sincere desire for Gregory's safety. Though he wished Freddy could accompany him, the circumstances dictated that this mission had to be a solo endeavor. Approaching the door once again, Gregory lowered himself to the ground and commenced an awkward army crawl beneath the steel barrier. The tantalizing aroma of spiced meats and nacho cheese wafted in the air, while faint strains of Spanish-style music reached his ears before he even fully entered. The floor featured a checkerboard pattern in black and orange tiles, creating a striking backdrop for a room filled with thematic decorations. Pinatas, resembling the glam rock band, dangled from circular lights. Neon signs of cacti, bedecked with sombreros, emitted a soft glow along the walls. In numerous posters, featuring El Chip, a beaver mascot, sporting a sombrero and strumming guitar, were promptly displayed against the gray walls. Gregory clenched his teeth and panicked. It seemed the Glamrock and Trunks had given up their search in the daycare. They must have presumed he had made his way into the atrium, and probably have dispersed across the different floors in a renewed hunt. While he couldn't spot Roxy and Inhale Chips, he could hear her voice trailing from behind the shutter doors leading to the Superstar Arcade. To reach the VIP rooms, which were conveniently adjacent to the prize corner within the Superstar Arcade, he would have to get past her. Just his typical luck. Once again, with reluctant sigh, Gregory moved towards the shutter. He sidestepped a staff bot that was engrossed in mopping the floor, its intention entirely elsewhere. He then carefully wriggled his way to the Superstar Arcade, preparing yet for another tense encounter. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each, then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Well done, Gregory. You are in the East Arcade. You should be able to get to the prize counter through the security office. Look for the door with the security badge symbol on it. Stepping into the Superstar Arcade, Gregory couldn't help but feel... somewhat underwhelmed by the ambiance. In all honesty, the Superstar Arcade was disappointing. It had certainly attempted its space-themed concept, but instead of immersing guests in a galaxy-like atmosphere through space props or star-patterned ceilings, it opted for a somewhat lackluster approach. Arcade games like Zombani, Plushtrap Chaser, Freddy in Space, and Tower Tipper were linked together in circular carpets dyed to look like the surface of strange planets. While it was neat, it didn't quite live up to the imaginative potential that a space-themed arcade could offer. Interestingly, the most standout feature in the entire arcade hall 
didn't quite align with the space theme at all. Black wires with white stripes seemed to sprout from the walls and ceilings, converging towards the center of the arcade cabinet's spherical layout. These wires were an omnipresent feature, yet they didn't obstruct the space or the guest in any way. It left Gregory pondering whether this deliberate arrangement was an artistic solution to power the cabinets, or was there a more practical reason behind it? It seemed odd that they would opt for loose wires to power the arcade cabinets instead of a more standout and less accident-prone solution, unless there was some other reason behind it. Come on out. We're only trying to help. Shaking his head to refocus on the present, Gregory reminded himself that critiquing Fazbear Entertainment's lack of creativity was not the current priority. His current objective was to exploit their laziness to his advantage and evade a bipedal wolf with an aggressive disposition. While he had become somewhat less wary of the Glamrock animatronics after maneuvering around them for the past two hours, they still remained a significant threat. They were faster and stronger than he was, so he had to proceed with caution and cunning if he wanted to make it out of this place alive. Staying low, Gregory began to stealthily move toward the far side of the arcade. He used the arcade cabinets as cover, his attention divided between evading the staff bots and keeping an eye out for Roxy. Now, unlike Roxy, the security bots moved silently. Roxy didn't seem to mind making as much noise as possible to let Gregory know exactly where she was. She prowled around the arcade hall like an actual wolf, tilting arcade cabinets single-handedly to check if he was hidden behind them and sniffing the area around her despite not having the capability, probably, to smell. Yet there was more than just a physical tilt to her. Perhaps due to his growing familiarity with Freddy's non-verbal cues, given the animatronic's limited emotional expressions, Gregory could sense the intensity radiating from Roxanne. Her search patterns were gradually becoming more erratic, almost desperate. She scoured behind ATM machines, abandoned baby carriers, and even trash cans. She was a wild animal, desperately seeking sustenance. The sound of metal bending quietly accompanied her efforts, indicating the sheer force she exerted while inspecting certain machines and how much anger and pressure she must have felt to apply so much strain to random objects. You think you're better than me? You are nothing. Nobody will miss you. Roxy's words pierced through Gregory as sharply as her claws might have. Among the Glamrock animatronics, Roxy was renowned for her pride. He remembered her possessing an intensely competitive nature, particularly when it came to go-kart racing. However, he hadn't realized the sheer magnitude of her ego or the length she would go to to protect her pride. Fortunately, her tantrum provided the ideal diversion for him to finally make a daring move. He found himself right next to the security door to the Superstar Arcade. If he could quickly dash along the walls and reach it, he could slip inside unnoticed by Roxanne. Keeping a vigilant eye on her, Gregory sprinted toward the door. Yet, he refused to budge. He frantically searched for a control panel, but there was none to be found. Desperation set in. He peered through the small glass partition on the door, 
only to discover that the security lock was on the other side, out of his reach. Locked again? And, to navigate past the frenzied wolf wreaking havoc on the arcade cabinets like a petulant child demolishing a tower made of blocks. He forgot to mention that little detail. Why does a pizza place need so much security? They are required safety measures due to past issues. Look for another way in. Gregory remained pressed against the wall, steadfastly moving in the direction of the room's borders. He couldn't afford to double back and risk being spotted by Roxy. He kept a watchful eye on where he believed she was, just behind the large silver cylinder that encompassed the entire room, pondering the peculiar aspect of the Glamrock animatronics that had only now fully registered with him. It was something he hadn't noticed until this very moment. How remarkably childlike, entitled, arrogant, and spoiled they often behaved. Freddy and the daycare tenant were the exceptions, albeit for entirely distinct reasons. However, for the majority of the Glamrocks, their oddly shared human characteristic was that of a penchant for childish, petulant, and egocentric behavior. Take Roxy, for instance. She threw tantrums when she lost, akin to a younger sibling who couldn't handle losing to their older brother. That competitive, envious spite where they envisioned themselves basking in the glory of victory, regardless of how trivial the competition might have been, whether it was a spelling bee championship or a game of Monopoly. If they were losing, it couldn't possibly be their fault. Someone must be cheating, and they vented their frustration out onto the world. Monty exhibited a similar disposition, even though Gregory hadn't spent as much time with him as he had with Roxy and Chica. Monty, too, appeared to embody the archetype of a brute. He reminded Gregory of bullies he had to deal with in school who, according to his counselors, faced hidden challenges at home, struggles he couldn't fully comprehend. Supposedly, these individuals harbored their own deep-seated issues and were silently enduring some form of suffering. However, Gregory harbored doubts about that narrative. The ones bearing black eyes and missing teeth with the genuine victims in pain, not some athletic jock with an anger problem. Then there was Chica, who appeared the least human among the Glamrocks, behaving more like a mindless zombie. But did she exhibit such behavior in public? Gregory couldn't imagine that, or else people would surely have commented on her lack of personality. It made him wonder if Fazbear Entertainment was aware of something amiss, something they wouldn't hesitate to conceal or manipulate for their own purposes. He was too distracted on Roxy and his own thoughts that Gregory failed to scan his surroundings for the various security staff pods standing guard along his path. He collided with one, landing unceremoniously on his rear. The bot turned its head and stared at him with an emotionless expression before letting out a blaring alarm. Lost child found. Lost child found. Backup requested. Backup requested. Underneath the piercing whirl, the thunderous sound of Roxy charging towards him from the opposite end of the arcade became unmistakable. He had to reach the shuttered doors on the far side quickly. Scrambling to his feet, he abandoned any pretense of stealth and sprinted as fast as his legs could carry him towards the shuttered exit. The mechanical clatter of metal paws on the tile grew ever closer. He wasn't going to make it in time. Desperation gripped him. 
he needed an alternate escape route, but he had already ventured too deep into this area, and Roxy was hot in his heels. If he didn't act swiftly, he'd find himself cornered. Frantically scanning his surroundings, he spotted a vent undergoing maintenance work to his right. Casting a quick glance back, he saw Roxy closing in, her arms outstretched and swinging like a predator ready to pounce. She crouched low, preparing to launch herself at him. Just as she was about to take flight, Gregory pivoted on his heels, altering his course towards the open vent. He narrowly evaded her green claws, slipping through her grasp at the last possible moment, swiftly maneuvering between two ticket counters. He dove into the ventilation shaft, crawling as if his life depended on it because it did, putting as much distance as possible between him and the relentless Roxy. Gregory continued to crawl through the vent ducts, his instincts urging him to put as much distance as possible between him and Roxanne as he could. While he suspected Roxy couldn't navigate the vents, he wasn't taking any chances. The staff bot he had collided with, or Roxy herself, might have already alerted Vanessa to his position. He needed to ensure he was well out of harm's way. After he was reasonably confident he had distanced himself sufficiently, he took a moment to catch his breath leaning against the vent side. He stretched his cramped legs as much as the narrow space allowed. Closing his eyes, he felt the fatigue wash over him. He had been running non-stop for hours, with almost no breaks. Whether it was sprinting for his life or contorting himself inside Freddy's chest, or these dusty, cramped vents, rest had been scarce. He was nearly at his limit. However, he knew he couldn't afford to linger. He was tantalizingly close to escaping this nightmare, only one security badge away from accessing the VIP lounge and using the emergency exit. Although it would trigger an alarm, he wasn't against it this time. The alarm of an emergency exit would likely alert Vanessa along with local authorities. With a significant police and firefighter presence, Vanessa wouldn't dare harm him in front of so many witnesses. Opening his eyes, Gregory peered down the vent shaft. Similar to the one he had entered at Rockstar Row, this vent was fitted with small lights at intervals, offering dim illumination. Originally, he planned to use the vents as a quick escape route from danger. However, he now saw an opportunity to possibly navigate his way to the security office. If he could retrace his steps in the vents, he might be able to reach his intended destination. But first, he needed to regain his bearings. Moving forward, he realized the vents didn't follow a straight path. They twisted, turned, and sometimes intersected into four-way junctions. It was a guessing game, trying to find the right path now. As he progressed, a new sound pierced the eerie silence. A music box melody, faint but unmistakable. Approaching a vent grate and looking down it, you could see a few arcade cabinets broken and fractured. Some staff bots were starting to clean up the mess. This was close by the security office. This was where Roxy was throwing her tantrum. He knew where he was adjacent to the floor. He just needed to go in the right direction. What was unsettling was that the melodic tune wasn't coming from below him. It was above him. 
traveling through the vents, moving in his direction. Something was in here with him. Suddenly, something dropped behind him, and he twisted to see a small figure landing on six suction pod feet. Tilting its head upward, it revealed black, lifeless eyes that mimicked glasses and gnashed its teeth, designed to resemble piano keys. It was a mini Music Man bot, no bigger than a football. Gregory recalled seeing smaller plush versions of this creepy contraption with some of the boys at his school, but this one was entirely made of metal. It wielded symbols with its gloved cartoon hands, banging them together in a threatening motion before it started rapidly crawling towards him. Panic surged through Gregory, and he began to scramble forward, moving his hands and feet as fast as possible to distance himself from the mini music man. He glanced back and saw the little bot crawling along the vent walls, then the ceiling, and falling back to the base as it created spirals in the vents, steadily closing in. In this confined space, it could easily catch up to him and reach his face. Suppressing these horrifying thoughts, he focused on moving forward. He turned one corner, then another, and another. Finally, he spotted a glimmer of light at the end of the long vent corridor. Crawling at maximum speed, he couldn't slow down in time and collided with the vent grate. It gave way, and he tumbled to the ground. He landed on his back, hard. As he laid there, slightly disoriented, he looked back up at the vent he had fallen from. The mini music man peered down at him, mimicking bite motions before turning away and returning to the vents. Gregory remained motionless until he could no longer hear the eerie music playing. The bizarre nature of this place continued to baffle him. Robots that emulated human behavior, unsettling rabbit costumed individuals, and now mechanical spiders guarding the ventilation system? It was a wonder that this establishment remained operational, let alone profitable with all this freaky stuff going on around it especially considering the numerous controversies surrounding it were already public knowledge. Gregory's mind drifted back to the days when the Pizzaplex's hottest attraction had been its AR booths, known as the VR Resort. Back then, attractions like the Fast Tower, the Storyteller Tree, and the Buddytronic Boutique were still in operation. However, those days had faded away. Freddy's mentioning of heightened security had triggered Gregory's recollection of why those attractions had been closed, particularly the VR booths. While he couldn't be sure if the other attractions had concealed dark secrets behind their closures, he knew about the VR booths infamy. Three individuals, all around Gregory's age, had their lives irrevocably altered while using those VR headsets. One child had slipped into a deep sleep from which they never awoke. Another, a girl, had entered the VR resort using the Fazbear Entertainment Hypertime function, which took a second of real life and made it feel like hours in virtual time. When they finally removed the headset, her eyes were black and she was bleeding from her sockets and mouth. The one and only kid linked to a VR booth controversy to survive was a boy. But that boy had suffered waking nightmares and hallucinations, later diagnosed as PTSD stemming from his time inside. 
Fazbear Entertainment had to pay substantial settlements to appease the affected families. Although the extent of the legal fallout was unclear, what Gregory and the rest of the general public did know was that Fazbear Entertainment had removed all VR attractions once the incident started to circulate around the news. his hands over his face and took a deep breath. He had to keep moving, despite his exhaustion. Rolling onto his belly and placing his hands on the floor, he gradually pushed himself to his feet. As he raised his head, a smile slowly spread across his face. Yes, found it. Finally, luck seemed to be on his side. The vent shaft had brought him right to the security office, though office was perhaps a misnomer. The room had a rectangular layout, with a squared wall office structure in its center. Surrounding the central structure were workshop tables with decommissioned arcade machines next to them. One particular arcade cabinet caught his eye. It featured a yellow version of Bonnie with an unsettling sinister smile. For a fleeting moment, it caught him off guard. He couldn't be sure, but it seemed oddly familiar. Not just the arcade machine itself but the yellow, smiling rabbit on it, wearing a purple vest and bow tie, its whiskers slightly misshapen. There was something hauntingly reminiscent about it. However, Gregory decided to set his questions for later. There would be plenty of time to unravel the mysteries of this place once he was back home. Instead, he focused on the task at hand, finding the security badge he needed to access the VIP lounge. Inside the security office, he quickly located the same badge holder he had seen before, the furry head with the police cap perched atop it. With a playful honk of the nose, which emitted a small boop noise, he claimed the security card for himself. The room's light suddenly blared red, and an ear-splitting alarm filled the air. No, no, no! Freddy, I don't know what happened! All I did was take the badge! Do not panic! That office is now on lockdown. I can deactivate the alarm, but it will take some time. In a frantic attempt to assess the situation, he checked his fast watch and rapidly cycled through the available security systems. He paused on one that showed the hallway just outside the prize corner. To his dismay, both Roxy and Monty were closing in on his location. He knew that bolting from the security office was too risky. He had no idea where the exit was, and they might be using the same entrance he had tried to escape through earlier. He needed to make a stand here, at least until Freddy could deactivate the alarm.
Turning his attention back to the security office, Gregory noticed the lockdown doors and hurried to activate them. As he reached for the button to his left, he caught a faint glimmer of green moving behind the room's glass window. He swiftly pressed the button and then pivoted to conceal himself from view. The security door slammed shut just as Monty reached it, and the animatronic lizard began pounding on it with all his mechanical might. Gregory glanced up and noticed that the security doors had a limited power supply, and Monty's relentless battering was beginning to take a toll on it. From the opposite side of the security office, he could hear Roxy drawing near. Her presence was hard to miss. Racing to the other button, Gregory dropped the second security door. Roxy unleashed a barrage of scratches against it, and Gregory could hear sparks flying on the other side. With both animatronics determined to breach these doors, it seemed unlikely that Freddy could shut down the alarm before they eventually succeeded. However, to his surprise, the pounding on the other side of the room abruptly ceased. Gregory checked his fast watch and saw that Monty was retreating, likely searching for an alternative entry. It appeared Fazbear Entertainment had designed him to resemble not only a physical brick wall, but a mental one as well. Seizing the opportunity, Gregory leaped to the other side and raised the security door. He quickly scanned the room for a hiding spot and found a small cardboard box lying on its side. It would have to do for now. He glanced back to ensure that Monty hadn't heard anything and then scrambled into the box, curling his legs up to his chest. He closed the flaps of the box, leaving them slightly ajar to allow for just a sliver of visibility. The security door on the far side of the room yielded to Roxy's demands. It was evident that she was utterly perplexed about Gregory's whereabouts. His fervent wish was to be anywhere but here, and he hoped that Roxy and Monty assumed the same. He couldn't make a complete escape just yet, not until the security alarm had been deactivated. What on earth was taking Freddy so long? Finally, the blaring alarm fell silent. Gregory cautiously peered through his narrow opening and saw Monty heading back the way he had come. Roxy, on the other hand, was positioned right in front of his stack of boxes, still meticulously scouring the area. After a tense moment of silence, it appeared that Roxy was finally retreating from the area. Gregory triple-checked his fast watch, ensuring that Roxy had indeed left. Fortunately, she seemed oblivious to Freddy's voice on his watch. None of the security cameras displayed her in the vicinity, and there were no apparent blind spots. With renewed confidence, Gregory pushed open the flaps and got to his feet. He was tantalizingly close to making his escape. Just a few more rooms stood between him and freedom. Glancing at his map once more, 
Gregory noticed that the security office had an exit leading to the storage area for the prize corner, conveniently located right next to the VIP rooms, and following the same path Monty had taken when exiting the security room. He had gingerly pushed open the security door and stepped into a compact storage room, bisected by a row of shelves laden with Fazbear merchandise. Go to the back of the prize counter. The fire escape is in the VIP room. Gregory moved stealthily through the prize corner. The area resembled other gift shops he had seen in the Pizzaplex, albeit on a much grander scale. Dim lighting cast the space in an ambient glow, with pink neon rails crisscrossing the support pillars and encircling the various signs and arrows. Shelves, brimming with Fazbear plushies of varying sizes, lined the area. Some were as large as adults, while others were petite, suitable for clipping onto backpacks or cuddling like pillows. A glass elevator surrounded by a congregation of these plushies caught his eye. He recognized it as the same one leading to the lobby. Further exploration led him to the spherical dome he had seen from the lobby. In this room, the grandeur was less pronounced, but there was an oddly calming atmosphere to the walls, ceiling, and floor adorned with a serene, starry night sky. It was a stark departure from the usual glitz and glamour of the loud atmosphere of the Mega Pizzaplex. Exiting this celestial chamber, Gregory entered the VIP lounge area, which was fortunately accessible. These lounges were somewhat unremarkable, furnished with a few well-cushioned chairs and individual tables reserved for those who had paid for the VIP experience. Besides the exclusivity, he wondered what else people received for their premium access. Perhaps personal catering staff and unlimited rides? Found it. Gregory's spirits lifted as he finally located the double door fire exit. A wide smile spread across his face as he reached for the bar, anticipating the alarm that would signal his escape. <clears throat> Yet, nothing happened. The door remained stubbornly locked and no alarm pierced the air. Confusion and frustration washed over him. This was supposed to be his way out, his ticket to freedom. He tried another set of double doors, only to find them equally unyielding and locked. What was going on? Freddy, the doors are all locked. I can't get out of here. You found the fire escape. Unfortunately, I do not think there is a way to reach it without becoming a VIP. It is not a very good emergency system. You are lucky there is not a fire. I have launched a formal complaint. Of course. Fazbear Entertainment had a premium escape option for the wealthiest patrons. How did Gregory believe they wouldn't go to such lengths? With no viable exit in sight, all his efforts to reach the roof felt futile. Unless he miraculously acquired a VIP pass, this was a dead end both figuratively and potentially quite literally if he got caught. <laughs> Suddenly, the mechanical sound of sniffing pricked Gregory's ears. Roxy was scouring the vicinity. Get to the elevator. Find a safe path on your fast watch. Gregory was desperate to escape, and while the VIP lounges appeared tempting, they led only to a dead-end hallway. His best bet was to retrace his steps, passing Roxy and finding a hiding place before she spotted him. He crammed himself into a maintenance bin filled with trash, praying that Roxy wouldn't catch sight of him. 
he kept a close eye on her movements using his fast watch. As soon as Roxy had passed, Gregory leapt out of the bin and sprinted wildly toward the elevator. He hoped it was operational on this floor, recalling the maintenance work he had undergone in the lobby. You're in trouble now! However, as he turned back into the prize corner, he saw Montgomery Gator in front of the glass elevator. Monty had locked onto him, and the menacing alligator was swiftly closing in. Gregory quickly assessed his surroundings, spotting a stack of boxes that could be used as stepping stones to reach the countertops. He bounded onto the boxes, landing gracefully on his feet, and hopped from one counter to the next, putting some distance between himself and Monty. But Monty was relentless, and Gregory realized the gator had powerful servos just like Roxy. Monty got into a similar predatory stance before launching himself at Gregory. But Monty didn't make a small leap, but instead propelled himself across all the tables with a single mighty bound, landing directly in front of Gregory. The gator turned around, the smile on his face seemingly more cocky than sinister now. With Monty blocking his path, Gregory had to think fast. He vaulted off the counters, trying to evade Monty's grasp, but the gator was right behind him. Gregory needed a new plan to create some distance between them. An idea flashed into Gregory's mind. He sprinted back towards the glass dome, trying to make it appear as if he was heading back into the VIP lounge. Monty prepared for another jump, expecting Gregory to go over the dome to the other side. But Gregory had anticipated this move. Just as Monty leapt over the dome, Gregory reversed his course, racing back towards the prize counter. He dashed as fast as his legs could carry him to the glass elevator, which opened automatically as he approached. Once inside, he swiftly pressed the down button. The elevator door started closing, blocking Monty's pursuit. It was highly unlikely that any Fazbear animatronic would risk damaging the property. Just as the elevator doors were about to seal shut, something unexpected occurred. Six rectangular metal fingers forced their way between the closing doors, attempting to pry them open. Gregory wondered if it was another animatronic and whether he could slide it under its legs if necessary. His eyes darted around the elevator, wondering what lay behind those closing doors. Hello, please take this map. Free map. The map bot? Free map. The map bot from the atrium was here. Free map. It was once again foisting its merchandise in front of Gregory's face. What take on earth map. was it doing here? Take a map. Out of my way! Gotcha! Thus ends tonight's program of Into the Night. What will Vanessa do with Gregory now that she has apprehended him? What will Freddy do now Gregory has been captured? And why was Gregory even in the Mega Plex in the first place? All that and more in the next episode of Into the Night. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to stay updated, please consider subscribing, following, or sharing this podcast. It truly helps us broaden our reach. Consider following us on our Twitter at Fazbear Podcast, joining on our Discord, 
or supporting us on our Patreon or merch store using the various links in the description below. I have been your host, Nick, and I would like to thank you all once again for listening. Have a good night, and drive home safe. Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.